Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience, and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. Is everybody ready to spray? Oh, yeah. Friends who spray together, stay together. That's what I've heard. Oh, my God. Ha! <laughs> Refreshing. I feel so refreshed. Tomorrow you start the show today. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy. And I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And we are hanging out with our friend, Elise Bryson from The Sober Curator. Elise, it's been a while. Oh, and we're hanging out with you, our listeners. Ladies and whoever and listeners. Listeners. Yeah. Everyone. Hello. We have it's so good to have you on the show again, Elise. We were just talking. Good it's be been back. a year? It's been a chunk of time. Yeah. I think so. I feel like because we're all doing cool things right now. And we are all cool. I, <laughs> Although I don't know, is cool even a cool word anymore? I don't do think the kids is. say cool? I don't think they do. No, I, I think, no, we're beyond that. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the new lingo is. Oh, eepy, right? I told you that one the other night. Eepy. Eepy? Eepy is a new lingo. Eepy. What is eepy? When you're sleepy. You're oh, <laughs> EP, that's right. That's right, EP. Or, right. or Riz. Riz. Riz is kind of on the downside, though. Oh, it is? Yeah. What's Riz again? Like It's it's like charismatic, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. like you Riz. got the Rizma? You got Riz. Yeah. You got the Riz? Oh, my God. Mm. It kind of <laughs> okay. rhymes Okay, with what's up? What's up? Word. Our, our yeah, listeners anyway. are like, okay, we're not here to listen to you. Like, <laughs> Thank talk you for about tomorrow for the laughter. Shit. You got it. Lane was got it, but she ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's go. Let's get into this. We can't take it. What are we talking about? Sober curator. Sober curator. There's a lot happening. Sober curator. There's a lot happening. If you haven't subscribed to the sober curator and you don't know anything about it, you've been living under a rock because we have had a sober Elise. rock. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> we have had Elise on the show several times. Uh, she's a bestie from the pandemic and I just, adore her uh but the sober curator is a site where you can find all kinds of cool things about sobriety and living in a life of recovery uh there's some na bear na beers if you're a, a beer 
beer aficionados here. Apparently, Lane is not. There's no, it's not me for sure. Travel. I mean, this like. This site is so robust. There's so much going on, Elise. It's kind of nuts. Talk about it. For it's a overwhelming. 1,400 articles have been posted on the site since August of 2020 is when I accidentally launched the site before it was ready. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's so much on there. You couldn't even possibly find it all. So if you get on there and you, there's something you're looking for, you don't think you find it. I always tell people, just go to the search. Just go to the little magnifying glass search and type in whatever your keywords are and it'll pop up because we've covered a lot. But the main thing are everything sober lifestyle. We're really trying to lean into long-term recovery and having fun and being fabulous because I'm tired of the stereotype of, oh, we only talk about hitting bottom and all that boring stuff. Like, yes, we all, a lot of us, things were not going great and that's why we made a change. But like, Speaking for myself, after making the change and getting some confidence and doing a lot of things, my life got so wildly exciting. So Mm -hmm. you can find things on the website that have to do with all things lifestyle. We have a fashion column. For those of you that used to get ready uh, and pre-funk and drinking when you were getting ready to go out, now we're just getting ready for life, right? We have Mm -hmm. a shopping column. We have a wellness column. We have entertainment. We cover books. We cover podcasts. We cover movies. We cover TV shows. We cover celebrities. We have sober horoscopes. We have sober tarot card reading. We have sober travel. I mean, it is all things sober and lifestyle. It's a lot. It is a lot. But there's there's so much focus on getting sober, but no one's really focusing on, okay, how do you live? this lifestyle and how do you have fun doing it? Which I think the sober curator does so well. Why wouldn't you focus on new recovery? You know, that's a great question. And the whole reason I started the sober curator is because um, I got sober back in 2006 class. It was 2006 shout out. And back then, back in my day, uh, there was no sober Instagram, sober Facebook. I mean, there might have been a sober MySpace. I don't know. But social media was just getting started. Podcasts mm-hmm. weren't really a thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you went to the bookstore, like a Barnes & Noble, the self-help section was relatively small. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any covers or books that I identified with, which is really saying something as a middle-aged white woman, right? And so, although I wasn't middle-aged when I got sober, but I am middle-aged now. And so I have had a front row seat to seeing all this content come online over the last almost 18 years. And, um, and it's great. And there's so many tools and websites and influencers that are out there and, and different pathways to recovery for people that are sober curious or looking to get sober or in their early sober years. And I think that's fabulous. If those things had been available when I had first gotten sober, I'm sure I would have used some of them. However, they weren't, and I didn't. And so now, and the whole reason the Sober Curator was started is as a woman in long-term recovery, I was looking for a space that was free of treatment ads because I've already been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? So I was looking for a space that was free of the treatment ads and was free of maybe those hard-hitting topics that really you deal with in the first couple years. I was just looking for how do you how do you live life on life's terms? Like what does life look like at 10 years sober? Because you still have problems. They just, as a good friend of mine likes to say, get a little classier. Absolutely. 
And I, I love how you're focusing more on a sober lifestyle because like I said, there's so many people focusing on early sobriety. Now for you, um, what would you say? I mean, I, I feel like we, as we mature, in our recovery and our sobriety, we start to find our purpose in life, right? We start to explore that. Um, do you feel like starting the sober curator has kind of gotten you on your way to evolving in your purpose and to being of service? That's a really good question, Tamar. And I will answer it with prior to launching the sober curator, which again was launched in 2020, I had not come out as a person in recovery or a sober person on the internet. Um, at a certain point in my recovery, let's call it three, four, five year mark, um, I was not keeping it as anonymous or as top secret. Um, uh, and then as I got more comfortable with it, um, but because of the stigma and because of my profession and the fact that so many business deals happen around and over drinks, I, um, I wasn't really, I definitely wasn't wearing it on a t-shirt, right? Um, and as time went on, I would tell people, um, I would become really open about it if it came up in an organic way or a way that I could be helpful. But again, I wasn't putting it on my Facebook page. And if I did put something on my Facebook page, I think I remember for my five-year anniversary, um, I bought myself a pair of Chanel earrings, which as a single mom felt like a huge splurge. And I called it celebrating my Chanel number five. And if you knew me, you knew what that meant, but most people just thought Elise is just talking about herself again, whatever. And so, um, so I knew when I was getting ready to launch the site that this was it, that I was ripping the bandaid off and that once you take that sober genie out of the bottle, there's no putting it back in. And I was just going to have to be comfortable with whoever stopped wanting to be in my life or stopped talking to me or stopped hanging around me or judge me behind my back. I was going to have to let that go. And in doing so and starting to rock the sober t-shirts, I'm actually wearing one today from one day at a time apparel. They're amazing. Check them out. Um, the quality is fabulous. But now what happens is I get even more phone calls, emails, and people sliding into my DMs because, you know, they have questions for a friend or a loved one or a mother or a child or a father or a cousin and I'm able to now be of service so much more than I was in those earlier years. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you. And I think more and more people are starting to recover out loud because it, it is a, it's a problem, right? And if we don't talk about it, we're just kind of, I don't know, prolonging that stigma, making it worse. Lane? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like... Like, but, but it's, you know, we were all raised, the three of us, that you don't talk about it, right? And I think more and more people are becoming more brave and realizing that they can actually be of service and they can, if they can even touch one other person mm -hmm. by being open about it and not being scared to share that, hey, I'm a sober woman living in long-term recovery. I mean, I think that's awesome <laughs> because we're awesome. Well, and I'll, I'll share a story with you. So the Sober Curator, it's run by volunteers. We're very vocal about that on our About section. Um, I don't, the only people that have wanted to advertise have been treatment centers. So I have turned them away. So let's just say it's a labor of love and is currently not even self-supporting. Um, and that being said, um, 
I got a call from someone who wanted to be a sober curator or an email, and then we ended up on a call. And when she started to tell me her story, um, what I learned is that she had been listening to a, a podcast, uh, 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 but still drinking. And then the day that my episode dropped on this other podcast, um, for whatever reason, whatever was said in that episode made her think that not only could she do it, but she could have fun doing it. Because so many people are like, what am I going to do if I get sober? It's going to be so boring. Mm -hmm. And whatever she heard in that day, in that episode, she didn't have a drink. And she contacted me a year later. That's the paycheck I love cashing. Mm -hmm. Because that is priceless. That is priceless. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing it for. To change lives. Saving lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Flat out. Because, you know... There's a lot of people on the internet that are sober, sober curious, dry January, sober coaches, um, and their bottom may have looked like, I don't know, drinking too much and missing their kid's birthday party the next day. Something that is bad, but um, for some of us, this is really a, a life or death thing. Like, I have horrific stories, and if I, if I, if I go back out, I don't know that I get another chance to come back in because when I start, I can't stop until I black out, pass out, or run out. And so for me, I, despite the fact I want to have a lot of fun in my recovery, there's also a seriousness to all of it because I know that lives are stake, at stake because I'm in the trenches um, every single week. Um, just recently, I had an opportunity to go to Recovery Advocacy Day at the uh, in Olympia, which is the where the capital of Washington State is located. It's not Seattle, for those of you that think it might be. And it was so awesome. I did not expect to have as much fun as I had going and talking to representatives and senators and trying to talk to them about different policies uh, that we were trying to push through that surround uh, treat, uh, laws and policies around treatment centers and about recovery housing and the need for it and the need for it of meeting everybody where they were at. And it was, I just, I'm still on a high from that day, a natural high to be clear, um, because not only did I make friends, but we really got to advocate for things that were really important. And what I kept hearing time and time that day, because there were so many of us and we were all wearing matching t-shirts, was people at the Capitol, whether they worked there or they were visiting, saying, wow, there's so many of you. I heard that repeatedly. And I was like, yeah, and that's just the ones that are recovering out loud. That doesn't even capture all the ones that aren't. And I also think recovering out loud is a personal choice. And if you choose not to, your reasons for making that choice are completely valid. And I absolutely support that as well. Um, so I wouldn't ever want someone to feel guilted or, uh, or that they have to recover out loud if they are not comfortable with it. Um, but for me, once I became comfortable, um, then it was, then it was, I came out guns blazing. Guns blazing. <laughs> well, okay. Not guns. I don't know. I don't even, I don't even say that phrase. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> guns I just pictured you as a cow, yeah, yeah, a yeah. cow cowgirl riding a, yeah. riding a yeah. horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You could take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl lane. Oh God. I met my parents in the country. Maybe that's where it's coming from. I don't know. I think it is. Uh, So the sober curator serves all types of sobriety. There's Mm -hmm. all types of content on there. And when you began this journey, there was nothing like this out there. Mm -hmm. And so 
where do you see this going, Elise? Like, where, <sighs> like, what's your big, like, okay, game plan for this, right? Because other people are like, okay, I want to jump on the bandwagon. I want to support this. This is really cool. How can I? It help? is cool. I, and it is growing. And, you know, I, I don't have a clear cut vision exactly of where it'll be in five years. But here's what I do know. We recently got an investor, which is giving me the opportunity to bring some people in and take over the day to day to get me out of the weeds so I can go and do some things that I'm really naturally good at. Um, and that's amazing. One of my hires is Alexandra Nyman. She is the founder of the Break Free Foundation, and she comes out of New York City. And we've covered her on the site. I've covered her on the site for, for a couple of years. She is a clothing designer, and she runs fashion shows, recovery fashion shows during New York Fashion Week in February and in September. And this uh, this February of 2024 will have been her fifth show. And everyone in the show, uh, all of the designers have something to do with recovery or mental health, including eating disorders. And all of the models walking are either models that identify in those categories or real people that identify in those categories. The net proceeds um, of the shows go back to the foundation and Break Free is all about uh, giving people access to treatment centers uh, that might not able to be able to get there themselves, um, which I think is incredible. And Alex's back of her baseball card is she used to run Soberosity, which was a site that was not exactly like the Sober Curator, but let's just say we're both fruits. It was an orange and I'm an apple, so to speak. And it went defunct, I don't know, about a year ago. And so she already has the skill set to build a lifestyle sober website. And she is, uh, besides being a clothing designer, she's quite good with SEO and website building and social media. So she will be taking over the day-to-day -day for that. Um, we've also hired an editor, uh, Rebecca Rush, to come on board to help people with their pieces. And so that's that's now where I think it's going. The, the Sober Curator serves two communities. The first community is the recovery, sobriety, zero-proof communities at large. No matter how you label yourself, I think we have something for you. So that is community number one. And then the smaller community is the Sober Curators. And that community right now, there are 31 of us that are all passionate about creating recovery content whether that is in written form, a podcast like yours, maybe it's a YouTube channel. And so the services we provide for that community is we host monthly meetings where we get together and everybody talks about what they're working on. And I love it when sober curators start collaborating with each other and I, I don't have it. I'm not the middle woman and they just start doing things together. I think that's so awesome. Um, we've also done things as a group. And so uh, last year when Matthew Perry, may he rest in peace, when his memoir came out, a group of us decided we were all going to read the book. And then we dressed up as our favorite friend's character and we hopped on a Zoom and recorded our thoughts. And if you haven't seen that video, Tamar is dressed as the holiday aardvark. And I highly recommend uh, jumping onto the YouTube channel and checking that out. So we really provide a space for community around people that are content makers. Where I want to see it go is to help them improve the, those crafts, whether it's bringing in people to teach more about writing, writing with, e, with AI, 
podcasting, YouTube, video, social media. But I also want to bring in, um, we're going to have an Olympic, uh, a former Olympic athlete come in and talking about how to have a champion's mindset. We're going to bring in a wealth manager and talk about how do you rebuild your financial life after you um, get yourself into recovery. Many of us, we burned everything to the ground, including our bank accounts, right? And so it's all about rebuilding life. We have several people um, inside the community that are focused on health and wellness. And so having a focus on that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's two parts. Um, and then in the mix of all of that, I want to have fun and throw parties. And, you know, a sober Coachella is not off the table. We could talk about it. I'm all in for that. Right. Right. Wouldn't it be so fun? Yeah. yeah. Who, who doesn't want to dance? I remember the first time I danced sober, I was terrified, like terrified because of course. Yeah, dancing sober is terrifying. I know in oh my, my previous gosh. life, I Great. thought I was an amazing dancer. I mean, eighties mm-hmm. nights, bring it mm-hmm. running man. Oh yeah. No, it wasn't so uh, spectacular, but I can tell you, I had probably the most fun I've had dancing in a very long time because I remember every moment and it was just great. Mm-hmm. Music. Mm-hmm. Do you dance now out and about Elise? I do. I do. And I'm quite comfortable with it now, yeah. but it took me, it took me a while. It took a while for Stella to get her groove back. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes a minute on a lot of things, whether it's mm-hmm. dancing, whether it's dating, mm-hmm. whether it's going to, to any kind of event, like, it takes a while before you learn to navigate those parties and weddings and New Year's Eve. One of the things that I really appreciate is that you have uh, some more mature sobriety on the sober curator, mm-hmm. uh, and you know one of the column columnist uh, content creators uh, is in her sixties. Yes. Dr. Sarah is in her 60s. She's 40 years sober. And she recently posted an article about being sober and in your 60s and dating. And so I, of course, put the headline on it, the sober golden bachelorette, because why not ride that wave that's clearly here to stay? And I was actually just messaging with her earlier today. She had a Bumble call that went really well. And they're going hiking this weekend. And she is, of course, starting to overthink it all. But I just love that she's putting herself out there. So there, there it is right there, right? She's overthinking it and she's 40 years sober, mm-hmm. right? So I just want to pause right there and, and talk about the mental illness that we all suffer from, because I think a lot of times we get caught up in the social and we're sober a long time and we've got this, mm-hmm. but we're still suffering. We're still dealing with this little tricky bug that we have to cope with every day. So how are you, Elise, kind of moving through that mental illness on a day-to-day basis? You know, it's funny you bring that up, Lane, because um, a year or two ago, you and I talk a lot about the different uh, levels or layers of recovery that Mm -hmm how you feel and things look at 10 years is different at 15 years is different at 20 years, et cetera. Right. And I remember you saying to me, as I was entering year 17, you were like, Elise, 17 is hard. Things fall apart and it is messy. And I was like, Oh, Lane, what do you know? I I can do it different. 
No, 17 was hard. Mm -hmm. I was in the fetal position. I was Mm -hmm. crying. Mm -hmm. I was depressed. You know, things were getting messy. Um, So, you know, it is, I wish, I wish there was a way to like do this perfectly, but there's, there's not. And, and I mess up on a very regular basis, but what I always know works is coming back to connection and community. Mm-hmm. And if I have that and I have a level of honesty, just even a level. Um, <laughs> not 100%. Not even have to be 100%, just a little bit, you know? <laughs> and I'll, I mean, speaking of honesty, I actually had to make amends to Tamara a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It happened. I am doing, and put it out there, I am doing in 2024 a no spend challenge. And not because I'm in dire straits, but because I am impulsive and I spend my money on wasteful things. Okay. So pause, pause, pause. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to that, but I want to go back to what are you doing on a day-to-day basis to recover from the mental illness that you still suffer from? We're going to get, I did kind of just dodge that question, didn't I? I Yeah. You're not with me though. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, don't want to talk about that. Thank you. Next. Um, No, what do I do? Uh, well, because I don't you're, you're do it saying perfectly. the easy answer, right? Community and con- connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just trying to put a little whipped cream and cherry on the top. You're right. Uh-huh. You called me out. That's fair. I, what do I do? Okay. I have to do a couple of things. I have to get a good night's sleep. Mm, yeah. I, uh, I am an eight hours a night girl. If I don't get eight hours, it's not, it's not great. I nap whenever I can. I love sleeping. Uh, sleep is very important to me and also quality sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing all the things that I need to do to have quality sleep. Um, I have to drink enough water and not go too crazy with my caffeine. So I allow myself one iced coffee in the morning. Now, the size of the iced coffee is none of your business, but I get one. Okay. One. <laughs> and it's not, it's not in the huge Stanley, just to be clear. Um, so I do that in the morning. I try to set my day up with prayer and meditation. Um, if I'm really feeling sassy, I might do morning pages and do a little writing and see what comes out. But usually uh, I'm not a morning person, so I'm kind of rolling out of bed and getting the party started. So I have to set my day up for success. I also start my day listing five things, hand like writing them out that I am grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great way to set up my day. Um, and then I kind of look at the day ahead and see what's on the schedule. And, uh, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, did I accomplish everything that I was hoping to accomplish today? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I do. That's great. Sometimes I don't. And then I have to sit with why Um, I uh, in the evening, I reflect on how my day went. And if there's any messes that I made that I might need to clean up. I also am active in a peer support group that I frequent on a weekly basis. Um, And I work with a lot of women um, to help give away what has been so freely given to me. In addition to that, I sit on a couple of boards of recovery nonprofits that do a lot of things like Advocacy Day at the state capitol. So for me, it takes a lot of different things. The other thing I do that I really want to point out is sometimes I do nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I took a Friday and I literally rolled out of bed and just rolled onto the couch. And I stayed in my pajamas all day and I just Netflix mm-hmm. and chilled, right? And I did literally nothing. And at one point I started to feel a little guilty because there was a long list of things I could have, should have, would have been working on. But I was like, let it ride. But when did you decide or or when did you recognize that you gave yourself permission to give yourself a day off like that? A mental health day? Well, I have a tendency. Because it didn't happen uh, for me until I was at at least 
15, 16 years sober, at least. Yeah. At 10 years sober, I had emergency heart surgery because of being a workaholic. Okay. So single mom, I was working 80 hours a week, high stress, high pressure, not taking care of myself, age 40, emergency heart surgery. Mm -hmm. That's a wake up call. So almost dying will really help you maybe um, evaluate (laughs) some choices. I don't recommend it. You know, there is probably an easier, softer way, my friends. But for me, I like to do everything the hard way. So, and I wish I could tell you that right after that happened, I immediately just found balance in my life. I didn't, Mm -hmm. but I did end up changing jobs, not careers, but jobs. And that the next company I went to, I established a pretty healthy work-life balance Mm -hmm. that helped me slowly transition back into a more balanced life. Mm -hmm. But I get really passionate. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this ever. I get really passionate about things. And so even, even the sober curator, I can overdo that. I can spend too much time on my laptop, you know, doing all the things that might seem great and even helpful for other people, but I, you can't burn out, right? If you burn out, you're not helpful to anyone. The whole oxygen mask on yourself before being on somebody else, especially you got to put that oxygen mask on now because doors are flying off planes. Okay. So you have to put that oxygen mask on Mm -hmm. because you never know when the door is going to fly off the plane uh, unexpectedly and you're going to need to be able to help other people. That is very true. true. (laughs) Now you going back to your story, right? You mentioned like this ride is not perfect. And I, I remember when I was early on in my recovery, I would look to these people who were 20, 30 years and I'd be like, man, I can't believe they got that far and look at them go and, you know, almost idolizing them in a way and putting them on a pedestal. But like you said, like even going back to a couple of weeks ago, I remember, you know, we were together at, you know, our daytime work function and Elise comes up to me and she's like, Tamar, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, oh man, um, you know, is, is this like this is it and pulled me into a corner and like far away from where everything Nobody puts baby in the corner. Right. And it was like, yeah, I got to talk to you. I owe you an amends. And all of a sudden I was like, whoo, okay, relief. Okay. Why is she apologizing to me? But like, these are things, you know, Lane and I have talked about this too, because I'm currently working on my health. I share it very openly on the show, but it's so easy sometimes when someone's like, Hey, how are you doing? And they actually, you know, they have their, you know, your best interest at heart mm-hmm. and you glaze over things, right? It's like, yeah, I've been, you know, I'll, I'll say it to Lane. Yeah, I've been doing okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, things haven't been awful, which is kind of the truth, but it's not, you know, I'm, there's a little line by omission. It's like, actually, you know what, yesterday I had some sugar. I felt awful kind of thing. It's the same goes like you're trying not to shop right now. Right. So it just like, doesn't matter how long we're sober for, we're still human. But I think the difference is some of us can admit that we still have a gazillion flaws and there's others where I've watched them in recovery. They kind of act like it's all perfect and they have their shit together, but you can see that they don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to be friends with those kind of people. No. Right. <laughs> but it is, it is, it is easy to put people with, uh, with, with long decades of recovery up onto said pedophile pedestal Mm -hmm. because they have they do have longer lived experience like Mm -hmm. without a doubt right and uh time takes time lane and i did a a limited edition series on time taking time like you can buy a lot of things in this world but you can't buy time you can't buy experience that happens over the course of time 
Um, and so it is messy. And I think that it's even more important um, to publicly clean up our messes when we're in long-term recovery. Last summer, I inadvertently text one person. I thought I was texting another person. And I essentially talked about someone behind their back to their face. That was messy. Awful. That was really I remember awful. that. I called yeah. both of you guys sobbing. I was like, we yeah. need a FaceTime immediately. Messy. And you know, I rarely mm -hmm. do that 911 mm -hmm. FaceTime threesome. Like I very rarely, very rarely. And I was sobbing because I would never have wanted to hurt this person, even though I was totally talking shit about them. Right. And you pointed out to me, Lane, it's even more important that you go clean up this mess because you can't talk about being a woman in recovery and then not go clean up your messes. And this just, it goes to the, you know, it's progress, not perfection and how, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can. And sometimes the best sucks, right? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. my best days are not great. And the only yeah. thing is, is I'm not drinking, you know, yeah. like, and I don't want to admit to that. Right. Because I do, like, I do have a lot of time. I want it to look great on the outside. I do want people to respect sure. that, but it's really hard every day to, you know, be all spiritual and shit, right? It's, it's hard. We're, we live in a crazy world right now where there's so mm -hmm. much pressure. There's so many needs and demands on us. And again, going back to that little incessant disease that we live with this mental illness and people are so afraid to call it a mental illness. And I think mm -hmm. we get really passionate about that because once you start to identify like, oh, it's not alcoholism or substance use disorder. It's actually effing mental illness. Once mm -hmm. somebody, and it took, again, this has taken me decades to get. Once I got to that point of like, oh, this is, I'm playing on a different field completely. Mm -hmm. That's when my recovery started to shift. When mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is priority or I'm going to burn the house down and everyone in it. If I don't start mm -hmm. taking care of my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I love that the sober curator has its reach into these communities that are dealing with mental health, right? That, that mm -hmm. they're saying, yes, we suffer from this and we want to support you finding a solution for it. So mm -hmm. what are some of the things that are coming up for the sober curator and these communities? Well, what is coming up? I don't know. I feel like I'm so in it that it's hard to think about what's coming up. We are launching a new email newsletter program soon. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know exactly the details of what the frequency will be, but the plan is to have a, a regular email that kind of is a potpourri of all the things, but then people give them the option if they really just want to be notified every time we do sober travel or they want to know every time we have a book review up, et cetera. You can pick categories so you don't always have to get everything. So that's exciting. Um, we're going to be looking at doing um, more types of events. Well, um, isn't um, Alex mm -hmm. her nonprofit? really kind of digs into the mental illness, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a really great partnership. I feel that's going to be highlighted in the sober curator. Yes. She's uh, it, the alliance between myself and Alex and break free and the sober curator is yeah. really, it's really beautiful because it is a nonprofit. We are for profit. Now be clear. We don't have any profit, but we are for profit 
And um, and she is East Coast. We are West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. I say we because you guys are right here with me. Um, and I also treat the sober curator. It's a group entity. I might be mm-hmm. the head of it that pushes it and started it, but it I didn't do it by myself and I couldn't do it by myself. Um, but and Alex is so well so well networked on mm. the East Coast, and I'm I'm pretty well networked on the West Coast. Do you do you guys know I have a personal goal of becoming the Kevin Bacon of recovery? <laughs> Kevin, if you're out there, just call me and then let's just wrap this up so we can get the job done. Um, but I, you know, we're gonna be starting a podcast for the sober curator. I can't tell you how many requests I get every month of people asking to be on our podcast. And I'm like, we don't have one. Like, it seems like we should and we will, but we haven't had one because it's been a bandwidth issue. You know, everyone's been a volunteer up until this point. And so it's just been we all have just been doing the best we can on the side from our normal like day jobs. And I think that says a lot, right? These, you know, and that's how I found you. I mean, I met you through Lane and I was like, ooh, I like what you guys are doing. I want to be a part of it. And a lot of the volunteers are doing this with full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show you how important this kind of stuff is because, I mean, I know a lot of people and there's moms, there's, you know, parents Mm -hmm. that would probably just love to sometimes go home and shut it off. But there's, there's an important mission here. Right. And I think and it is surface work. It's it's a different kind of service work that I do in my in-person life, to be clear. Mm -hmm. Um, And it started during the pandemic when we were all forced to live online. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've made, as you can see, real friendships online. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it is just an extension of more service work. And the more service work I do, it's just keep put keep putting goodness out there and and, and and my life seems to, to work out pretty okay. Can I say something else I was thinking about? Just going back to talking about people with lengths of time. Because I do find this a personal challenge. Sometimes I judge people. When I see someone that has like 90 days sober or six months sober, and they're a sober coach, I, I'm like, what? What have you learned in six months? And that's not right because I also, some of the most powerful people that I hear from are newcomers in the circles that I run in. And their stories remind me why I have to stay the course. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird situation of, I love, I love people in early recovery, but I also find myself getting frustrated with people in early recovery. Mm -hmm. And that's when I know I have to check myself because all that is, is ego, right? And that's the thing about getting sober is, your character defects like ego and jealousy and envy, like you're clear minded now. And so it's hard to ignore the truth of those emotions and feelings. Yes, but, and I'm going to just put it in here. <laughs> um, so I can look at this from both sides. My Gemini is going to take over for a moment here. Okay. Um, you know, somebody, I mean, go back to when you were 90 days clean, right? I was, I was so excited and I wanted my whole life to be about recovery, Mm -hmm. right? So I was having these pop-ups and dinners and that's when I got into coaching. It was just like, yes. Right. So there's something really exciting about that. But then somebody who's getting sober 30, you know, like 30 days or they can't get sober 
and they keep relapsing and they go to hire a coach who's 90 days sober or a year sober, I think that is when there's going to be problems, right? Because that person who is 90 days so- sober has the capacity to be, to be excited about recovery, but they don't have the mm-hmm. capacity to hold somebody who keeps relapsing or perhaps uh, is brand new on this whole journey and they're like trying to figure it out. They just, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible, right? Because time, like we've talked about before, time just takes time and experience is a currency and it's a currency mm. that people are not talking about in this community, which I find really interesting. If you go into VC, if you go to entrepreneur venture, like they talk about it very differently, but in sobriety, sure. it's like, whatever, but it's a real currency where, you know, you, you're 18 now. Elise? Almost. Not quite Almost. yet. Let's not go right. there. Yeah. We're working right. on it. Couple months. But again, that's a that's a lot of days, a lot of experience of living life sober. Mm-hmm. As opposed to somebody who's 10, 9, 5, 90 days. It, it just it's so mm-hmm. it's such a big deal. And I don't think it's judgmental unless you're really kind of tearing it up. I think it's perspective of like, oh, look at that person. Mm-hmm. Look at they're doing. I wonder what they're going to do. So maybe the question is, how can I help that person become a better coach? Or how can I help that person mm-hmm. understand what they're doing? Or, you know what I mean? Like that becomes a conversation perhaps. Yes. And let's be clear. If all those options were available back when I was 90 days, I would have been doing them. I'm sure I would have been like, I'm mm-hmm. that kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, right. Like I would have been. So yeah. it's, um, but it does sometimes feel like a little bit of the wild, wild west in yeah. this community because there are so many different pathways and so many different, I don't know what, a better way to say it, but levels of bottom. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I commend anyone that wants to quit drinking and yeah. using for any reason, full stop. Nothing else needs to happen. I don't care. Right. Um, but it can't, that's not it. That can't stop there because it's mm-hmm. it's more of a journey than just not drinking and not using it's learning how to live differently. Like the reason I drank and used drugs was because of the way that I was living. I was dishonest. I was lying. I was cheating. I was stealing. I was, I was not a nice person. I was a lot of fun until I wasn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so it, for me is really learning to live life, life different. And I'm excited to be for my sobriety to be 18. It'll be nice that it can legally gamble and smoke. That's cool. Mm-hmm. 18. What was I doing was 18 a good year, Lane? Come on, give yeah, me at least one. I think 18 was good, actually. 18, okay. I feel like you're right. up on the slump of, it's like you're reaching the peak and then the peak's going to flatten out and then you're going to start to coast down again because you go mm, on to right. 21. 21 was a kind yeah, of a big, yeah. like, oh. Mm. Well, what I think is cool about our group of sober curators is we have from 40 years all the yeah. way down to the youngest one is six months. Wow. Um, and um, and usually I actually do like require over a year or two. But uh, this one particular opportunity came up uh, with Eve. She's our UK correspondent and she's adorable and she has an accent. And I just couldn't say no. Let's be honest. I can't really say no to anybody. But because there's, there's work to be done for anybody that wants to help on the project, right? Because mm-hmm. it is a community mission. And we've done so many fun things like making the Drew Barrymore video together. Mm-hmm. She hasn't responded yet, but it's 
I, I, I just send the video once a month. You know, you never know. It could happen. <laughs> That's right. You just keep on sending it. Yeah, I have it. I have it on my calendar. Don't forget to send Drew an email this oh, month. Do it every month. God. So good. <sighs> That's awesome. Yeah, I remember that excitement in early sobriety. I, they what do they call it? That pink cloud. I pink wrote cloud. that for a while, but it's you know I. I think it's important for those of us that are living in long-term recovery to talk about it. And I feel like having the sober curator around, I think the the cool thing, as you were describing it, I kind of, you know, you're, you're very good at writing visually and speaking visually where you can see this, like the sober curators, it's like we're in our own little community trying to create a bigger community, right? Well, and yes, and what I try to do with each sober curator is I empower you to become the sober curator of your city, of your metropolitan area. Like there are some of us that have our own city sections on the website, um, because if that if that lights you up, then then by all means do that. And then and then there might be other curators. They're like, no, I just want to do book reviews. That's great. Mm -hmm. Like I want to meet people where they're at. You know, I think that's so important. And there's so much inspiration and creativity that gets unlocked um, when you get some time under your belt. Mm -hmm. So for anybody in San Francisco, please feel free to reach out to me. If you're in Vancouver, you'd be reaching out to Tamar. Whoop, whoop. If you're reaching, and if you're anywhere else in the country, you're reaching out to the <laughs> queen herself, Elise. That's right. And then I'll get you in touch with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you guys a funny story. Can I tell yeah. you a funny story that happened real quick? Mm -hmm. So um, a, he wasn't a sober curator, but his name was Tyler. And he was with an organization called Yana. You are not alone. I met him in the pandemic. And it was um, one of those communities that was run on the Mighty Networks platform mm -hmm. um, out of Austin. Mm -hmm. And fast forward a couple years later, I get an email for someone that has found Tyler's keys in a park. And it's got his sobriety chip in it and his uh, name on it. And they Googled Tyler. And because I'm the SEO ninja, uh, it pulled up on my site. And he was like, I think you might know Tyler. I found his keys at the park. Could you possibly put me in touch with him? And I hadn't talked to Tyler at that point in probably like two years. So I reached out to Tyler. I was like, hey, buddy, did you lose your keys? I got somebody who found them. And he was like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm just a Kevin Bacon of recovery, baby. <laughs> this, this is where it comes. Okay. Let's get into our tabletop gratitude. Okay. Ready for it? Ready? Yep. When you think about. Do I need to stretch? I, I would stretch. Yeah. I would stretch okay. this. Here we go. And for our listener, if you're still listening, you can answer <laughs> along too. When you think about the things you want to do in your life, which ones make you feel especially happy? Elise? Elise. Oh, one answer. Just one answer. Yeah. Well, it says thing about the things, things. you things. want to do in your life. Which two ones? Things. Once I have two things I'm very focused on right now. And that is finishing my book and travel. Travel. Yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, for me, it's really working with people to help them create their their purpose in life, you know, like whether that's helping them create a podcast where they can speak their mission or, uh, working with clients, you know, um, 
Travel's also big for me because I, I mean, right now I'm itching to get somewhere warm and tropical. Um, but uh, I do plan to buy a home on a white sandy beach with turquoise crystal clear blue water. And uh, that is definitely on my, you know, where I'm going to be on my laptop creating magic. So yeah. All right. will it have extra rooms for visitors? Absolutely. For a friend. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. All. Yeah. Lane, what about you? Uh, well, I'm really, you know, the DNA is always like right up there and I get to do what I love, you know, mindfulness and DNA. And I'm creating a program right now, uh, an extended program for the city. So I'm really excited about that. Um, mindfulness is just, it's just such a way of life. So however I can impact others, that's like my mission yeah it makes me so happy so that's and the dna is such a cool thing because it's if you haven't go and listen back to the episodes where we share very openly about my journey and it i think helps you understand yourself better which in turn can help you create longer term sobriety 100 100 percent. just saying Uh, elise you're so great i love you i love you guys I just, I'm so fired up about the sober curator and, you know, this kind of shift and the transition and what's happening for 2024. Uh, everyone's going to be heading on over to the sober curator.com. Uh, anything else you want to leave? They can buy a ticket. Oh, they can buy a fashion. ticket. Uh, well, yes. So uh, New York fashion week, for those of you that won't be in New York, but you still want to watch the fashion show mm-hmm. for less than $15, you can stream it online and know that that money does go to a great cause of helping put people in treatment centers that need the access. So head on over to the sober curator and look for the break free New York fashion week post. And that'll give you all the details. So cool. I am just thrilled for this conversation. Thank you for hanging out with me, my friends. It's been fun, ladies. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.